This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Bishop Stuart Ruck. For those of us who love Jesus, and I don't assume that that may be everyone here, maybe you're here as a guest, knowing one of these brothers or sisters today, and maybe you just showed up because you're curious about Christianity. But I think what I have to say will be helpful for you as well. But for those of us who have devoted themselves to Jesus, we cherish every account of him given us in the Bible, don't we? That really, when you think about his life of 33 years, there aren't that many. And I do hope that, as the Bible promises, when we shall see him face to face, I, I just anticipate conversation and dialogue and all the more stories about his life that by his providence he didn't give us in the scriptures but this certainly occurred but we do have accounts of him we see the tenderness of Jesus who always found the least the unseen and he saw them we see the healing power of Jesus breaking through seemingly impossible physical situations to heal We see the righteousness and judgment of Jesus when he comes against those who abuse their power and obscure the truth of God and obscure care for the very least of these that he sees. And so many of the powerful do not. We we have pictures of Jesus, true stories, accounts, utterly reliable of Jesus. We have just a few of his childhood And we're given one here on the Feast of the Epiphany that Deacon Margie just read to us. It's in Matthew chapter 2. I'll just read from it. Where we see these magi, these called kings later, these, these foreigners, these who are outside of the Israel nation, outside of the Jewish people, and they've come to also worship Jesus. They're coming to fulfill the promise that God has come for all people. Yes, first through Israel, and then through Israel to all people. And they're fulfilling that promise. And we have this moment where they see the star. They rejoice exceedingly with great joy. They go into the house, it says in verse 11 of chapter 2, and they see the child with Mary, his mother. That's an account of Jesus. And what we see Jesus in that moment doing is dwelling with his mother, And now as these wise men come, he's dwelling with them. One of the most central attributes of who God is, and Jesus is fully God, I can assure you on the basis of the scriptures this morning that he is. And one of the clearest, most prominent attributes of God is that God makes a dwelling place with his people, even with a sinful people, He makes a dwelling place. We see God in the arms of Mary or sitting next to Mary there, Jesus, the Son of God, dwelling with Mary, dwelling with these Gentile leaders who have come to seek him. God is a dwelling God. A rich word that we'll unpack in just a moment. But that's actually what I want to give to you, Steve, and to you, John, this morning. Right here, just coming into Epiphany on the heels of 12 days of Christmas. And I just want to give you a verse that's printed in your bulletins there from Revelation. 
near the end of the scriptures, Revelation 21, verse 3. You'll see that in your bulletin there. That's the verse I want to give you on your diaconal ordination. Behold, a loud voice says, the dwelling place of God is with man. God will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. I want to call you to a dwelling ministry as God is a dwelling God. Revelation 21 is not about us at first, but about God and who God is. God's immeasurable love, unimaginable love that he would dwell with sinners to rescue them and save them. But the same word used here, the same word used here for dwelling place, a beautiful word, a wonderful Bible word, is the word that John will also use. And John wrote Revelation, if you're new to the Bible, and he wrote a gospel, an account of Jesus called John. And in that account, when he describes the incarnation, he uses the exact same word. That Jesus came to be with us. He dwelt with us, John says, and employs the same word that to describe the incarnation of God. In Jesus Christ, he's a God who dwells. And in the incarnation, so you, who now in the church minister his incarnation, embody his incarnation, which embodies the fullness of God, so may you be those who dwell as God has dwelt with us. Oh, the courage it takes to dwell, John, Steve. The holiness it takes to dwell. The willingness to take others' pain. To hear others' complete stories. To see those that Jesus saw and that so many of us do not. It's a ministry of dwelling. It's a beautiful promise that God who dwells with us will be our God and we will be his people. It's an ancient promise. You'll find it in Genesis. You'll find it first articulated most clearly in Exodus chapter 6. It's the great promise of the Bible. It's what's called the good news of God. That God will not abandon us. God will not leave us in our darkness and our confusion and our misery and our sin. But that God will dwell with us. He will be a dwelling place. And we the people of God. Most of us are not deacons. Most of us are not priests. I think only one of us today is a bishop. But that really doesn't matter. It's the people of God. It's those who are Christians that are all called to have ministries of dwelling. And certainly, a deacon is as well. So be one who dwells with others and brings his presence. A true deacon. And often the word rightly servant is used to describe a deacon, a word used of our Lord. But what does it mean to be a servant? I would say in large part... It means to imitate Jesus who dwelt with us. Serve by dwelling. Let's explore this word dwell just for a moment. It's translated in Revelation 21, verse 3, that you have here in your bulletins as dwelling place. Then the word will be used in a different form as a verb, dwelt in John chapter 1 to help us understand the incarnation. It's a word that's actually used for the word tabernacle. And tabernacle was that place in the Hebrew scriptures 
Whereas God was forming a nation, Israel, and calling them out to be his people and giving them this promise, I will be your God, you will be my people. He then embodied that promise. He, he clarified that promise. He gave opportunity for that promise to be embraced by dwelling with them in concrete ways like an actual structure, a tabernacle, a place where his presence would dwell. That was the tabernacle. And that same word is used here for dwelling. God says, I will be your tabernacle. Jesus will tabernacle among us. It's the place of God's tangible, known, experienced, lived presence on this earth. And we as Christians now minister his tabernacle. We tabernacle amongst the people who have not known light, but only darkness. We tabernacle among those who know only the miseries of this life lived apart from God. The aching, bewildering loneliness of life without God. We tabernacle in their midst. We say to them, God is here. Indeed, God even dwells within me, this Jesus Christ. And he can dwell within you. You can be saved from your misery and loneliness. That's what we do as Christians when we dwell. That's what deacons minister when they go amongst the people of God and the people of this world. And you dwell with courage. Jesus' courage. It's such a gospel word, dwell. Just captures the good news. Jesus died on a cross. And in doing so, he dwelt with us. He even dwelt with our sin. He who is sinless dwelt with our sin and the mystery of God and the mystery of the cross. He took it upon himself. It's a dwelling in the cross. And then he rose again to new life and in doing so gives us the opportunity to dwell in new life with him. It's a dwelling again. And you're ministering the cross of Jesus. You're ministering the resurrection of Jesus as deacons in the church of God. Oh, we had a dwelling. We had Christians who dwelt with us a few years ago. Kath and I will never forget it. They're missionaries. Many of you know them. I'm not going to mention them by name because they work in such sensitive areas uh, throughout the world that I, I can't in audio mention what they do without potentially endangering their ministry. But it's a, a husband and wife team that we've known here at Resurrection for almost 20 years. They've worked in some of the most war-ravaged places of misery, refugee camps, and some of the hardest places in the world. And they went there to dwell they went there at great endangerment to their own lives. They both have suffered serious death threats. In one case, which the husband was sure would come to be and miraculously did not because they were called to dwell. They were called a tabernacle among an unreached people who had not heard the name of Jesus. That's powerful. I wasn't the beneficiary of that ministry being here. But those same people who did that radical Special Forces kind of missionary work called us several years ago and said, Holy Week's coming. We know it's a great commitment for you and your family. We'd like to just come and make all the meals. We had several young children at that point. Take care of the younger children. Clean the house when you can't. And just walk alongside you the entire week. So in the midst of a beautiful Holy Week service, the husband would leave in the middle of the service and take Beckett, our youngest, and take him home and read him his bedtime story and put him to bed. Rather than doing the best we could to feed ourselves throughout that week, the wife made one meal after another. They cleaned the entire house top to bottom. 
which usually doesn't happen for us during Holy Week. <laughs> they dwelt with us. They came into our lives, into our home, into our kitchen. They cleaned our bathrooms. It's a dwelling. John, you, you are a listener. And I hesitate to put it that way because it's, it is a bit of a cliche. You know, it's so important to listen. But if you've ever been listened to by John Clark, you understand that the man takes it to a kind of Michelangelo art form. I'm not talking about, did you hear what I just said? I'm talking about taking in a person. <laughs> he, he takes in a mind. He takes in a heart. You're a, you're, a, you have a, you're a gifted receiver of people, John. This is part of your dwelling ministry, and I pray that it will only expand as a deacon. Steve, you're just marked by joy. And I'm not just saying that you're funny. Generally, you're pretty funny. But it's joy, Steve. It's, it's a living water that Jesus describes bubbling up from within you. That when you're in a room, you're in a meeting, you're in a place, you're leading us in worship, you're, you're, you're leading something to do with budget or vestry, there's joy, Steve. That's a dwelling. You, you bring a dwelling joy into the lives of the church. But it's not enough to be yourselves, as wonderful as that is. Actually, it's not enough just to dwell in itself. In other words, it isn't enough just to say, just be there. Now, now, being there is really good and really important, and many of us use that in our vernacular. It's just important to be there, and it is important to be there. But honestly, because we're such sinners and we're so confused, it really isn't enough just to be there. When I was being trained in pastoral ministry early on, it was very common to say, you know, people just need you to be there. And I began to realize when I would just kind of try to go and be there, that actually people did need you to be there, and they didn't need you to impose an agenda on them, but they actually needed you to bring something. I mean, I thank God that Jesus was there, but he wasn't just there, just, I'm just here. Just, I'm just here being with you. And I don't mean to mock this, but it actually is given too much. No, he, he brought something. Jesus brought the power of God. We can bring the power of God to a world that knows no real gospel power. So dwell, but dwell by power. You, the beautiful passages that were given for this epiphany. It's Ephesians 3, and it talks actually about ministry. And Paul describes his ministry in Ephesians 3. Let me just remind you of a verse that was already read. Paul says, of this good news, of this reality that we're talking about this morning, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Paul understood that he dwelt with others as our Lord has dwelt with us in his incarnation by power. Several verses prior to that, if you had your Bible in front of you, I could show you more clearly. It's the power of the cross. Paul says it's the blood of Jesus that has broken down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile, between human beings, between God and humanity. It's a power. So when you dwell, I want to say dwell, but dwell with power. Dwell by power. You are indwelt by he who has overcome all powers and principalities, Jesus Christ. So yes, dwell, 
but bring something to the dwelling. Bring Jesus. Bring his word, his eternal word. Bring the Bible to your dwelling. Bring testimony of his power. Dwell, but dwell by his power. You know, those who are suffering, which are those that you're called to, and those who are poor, poor in spirit and poor in socioeconomic heritages and gifts, those who are sick, those who are unemployed, those who find themselves in some station of life, and many of you have, where all of a sudden you feel like I'm no longer part of life as everyone else is living it because of my relational crisis, because of my financial crisis, because of my health crisis. I'm no longer in life like everyone else is in life. Those are the ones you go find. Those are the ones you go and you search out. And to them you say, oh, no, that's not how it works in Jesus' kingdom. As a matter of fact, you may have a ticket into life even more fully than you understood. That's dwelling by power. You explain to those who think themselves weak and forgotten and now on the margins of the rest of the life that everyone else is living, you find them and say, oh no, to you is given the possibility of the kingdom of God if you will only believe. That's a dwelling by power, John. A dwelling by power, Steve. Bring something. My kids had a wonderful children's book that we read a lot when they were growing up. Maybe some of you know it because you have a lot of parents, young children. Uh, It's Badger's Bring Something Party. And Badger throws a party and says, here's the deal with the party. You have to bring something. So the hedgehog brings honey sandwiches and I, I can't, the, the rabbit brings, I, I don't know, candied carrots. I can't remember. But they all bring something to the Badger, bring something party, except for Mole. Mole thinks, I don't really have anything to bring. I'll just bring myself, which sounds very sweet at first. Just be yourself, which is not bad advice overall. So Mole brings himself. So he gets to the party, and everyone's, they, they, they've got their whiz-bangers that they've brought and their honey sandwiches, and he becomes like, very morose because he realizes, I, have, I didn't bring anything, and I'm just here, and he becomes this kind of sad and forlorn member of the party, and someone says to him, you know, you're a bring-something party pooper. You brought nothing to this party? Nothing? Mole says, I brought nothing. And finally, Badger, the host, takes him aside and says, look, it would actually be okay even if you just brought yourself, but you, you, you brought your miserable self. How about you bring your interesting self? Just bring something. And it occurs to Mole, wait a second. I actually know of some pretty good dance moves. <laughs> so Mole teaches them some rather intricate dance moves that they all pick up and enjoy and, and love. And he ends up bringing a dance to the party. And it's the most talked about bring something gift. Don't just be yourselves as deacons. Okay? It's not enough. It's just not enough. Yourself is not enough. Yourself is sinful. Yourself is confused. Yourself is still, even you've been walking with the Lord for decades, vulnerable to darkness. Now bring more than yourself. Now to the gospel party, you bring the power of Jesus Christ. You dwell by power. John, teach. Write what a gift you have. Teach and write 
by power of the blood of Jesus. Steve, lead. Gather those that you gather by the gift of God. Gather those and take them to the power of God. Oh, a loud voice came and said, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.